0: Things are a little different this morning, but Happy New Year to you all. Thank you, thank you. How many of you have already made New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Oh, well then my second question is irrelevant. How many, how many of you have broken them already? I know it's it's only a few hours, but uh, uh, this morning is gonna be slightly different. I'm not going to be bringing an exposition of a passage of scripture, but an exhortation that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart for us as a church family as we enter into 2023. This morning we stand on the threshold of a new year. And we can find, as uh, Nick was saying earlier, we can find ourselves wondering about the future, wondering what's going to happen in this year. What's going to take place? What are the events? What are the circumstances that we will be confronted with over this year? And we can be quite concerned. I mean, 2022 was an interesting year, was it not? I mean, a lot of things happened in 2022. And our focus, when we consider the coming year, can be very much upon ourselves. How will what takes place affect me how will it affect me so often when we think about the future we're thinking about how the future will affect me we tend to look inward but this morning i want to encourage us all over this coming year to make it a priority in all circumstances to keep our eyes on jesus christ (coughs) That whatever circumstances take place whatever happens that we keep our eyes on jesus and i want to read from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 17. And you may wonder as we go through this this portion of scripture why I have chosen this, but it'll become clear later. It's the, uh, the, the transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and they were terrified, but Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. And When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only." Here we read this incredible incident that took place on this mountain. Jesus taking Peter and John and James up to a high mountain and when they reached the top, Jesus was transfigured and his face shone like the sun, it tells us here, and his clothes became white. And then alongside Jesus there appeared Moses and Elijah and they were talking to Jesus. And here Moses we see represents the law and Elijah representing the prophets. And here on the Mount of Transfiguration, was a visual indication of all that has been preceded in God's word and in redemptive history leading up to Jesus Christ. Jesus came to fulfil the law and the prophets and in this one incredible moment of transfiguration, Christ's centrality in all of scripture and history is revealed. The glory and centrality of Christ is confirmed by the witness of most the most significant representatives of the scriptures. Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets. And then they heard the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And as you might expect, I'm sure it would happen to us if we were there, the disciples fell on their faces and they were terrified. And then Jesus, little, phrase here, Jesus, in a moment of love, told them, touched them, brother, and told the disciples to get up and don't be afraid. And then it's this next phrase that caught my attention. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Moses and Elijah were no longer around. These three men had experienced a unique once in all of history, incredible sight! It must have been awesome to see Jesus transfigured like this and see Moses and Elijah standing by him and then hearing the very voice of God. But when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. An incredible event had taken place. And I'm not going to, as I said, uh, exposit what this this portion of scripture but what caught my eye was they saw Jesus only they lifted up their eyes they saw no one but Jesus only it raised in my heart a question for me and i trust for you as well this morning where will our eyes be fixed over this next year will Jesus be my focus as i encounter various events that take place in my own life in the church's life in our community's life in our nation's lives and the world i'm sure some of the events that will take place over this next year will be encouraging but i'm sure also probably some will be very challenging and are we as a church going to find ourselves more fixed on self and what happened what about me how things affect us or are we going to fix our eyes on jesus Robert Murray McShane, who was a 19th century uh, pastor who died, I think, 28, 29, quite young, he wrote this to a friend of his. He said this, "'Learn much of the Lord Jesus. "'For every look at yourself, take ten looks of Christ. "'He is altogether lovely, such infinite majesty, "'and yet such meekness and grace, "'and all for sinners, even the chief,' referred to himself.'" Live much in the smiles of God, bask in his beams, feel, for his, feel his all-seeing eyes settle on you in love, and rest in his almighty arms. This was a challenge, I'm sure, in the 19th century. But I would say today this challenge of looking, looking at Jesus and looking away from self is more of a challenge in 2023. In a world that has become so obsessed with self, so obsessed in looking inward, so looking at uh, uh, what's going on in my life, how does things affect me? And there's a natural tendency towards subjectivity. We spend a lot of time looking at ourselves, looking inward, and caught up in subjectivity. Sinclair Ferguson says this, the evangelical orientation is inward and subjective. We are far better looking inward than we are looking outward we need to expand our energies admiring explaining expositing and extolling jesus christ our tendency is to look inward and to be subjective and in hebrews 3 verse 1 we read this exhortation: therefore holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling fix your thoughts or we could say fix your eyes fix your thoughts on jesus the apostle and high priest whom we confess. So today, as we stand on the threshold of a new year, I want to encourage us all to look away from self and to take Robert Murray McShane's encouragement. To look at 10 looks at Jesus. One look at us, 10 looks at Jesus. We sing the hymn, and we're gonna sing it later, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And it says that as we do that, the things of earth, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And as I was considering these, these 10 looks, going through 10 glorious aspects of Jesus Christ, I have a book in my study called, it's entitled 100 Portraits of Christ. Uh, we're going to just look at 10 this morning. And in fact, some of them aren't even in the book. Uh, but I want, I want us to look at this morning, very, very briefly, obviously, at 10 looks at Jesus, will help us through this year to see things in the light of his glory and grace the first thing I want to see about Jesus is what Hebrews 1 verse 3 says he is the radiance of God's glory in our first look at Jesus we see that he is the radiance of God's glory he is the exact representation of the Father the writer. Begins this letter, the writer of the Hebrews begins this letter declaring the preeminence of Christ and his credentials as God the Creator. And if we want to understand more about the nature and character of God, look to Jesus as in Christ, God entered into humanity, as we've been singing about recently over Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. So when we look at Jesus, we see God the Father. And in one john 4 verse 16 it tells us that god is love so our second look at jesus is to see that he is not only characterized by love he has revealed that love for you and i he isn't just love he has loved us with incredible love sinclair ferguson says when we think of christ dying on the cross we're shown the heights to which god loved goes in order to win us back to himself. He is saying to us, I love you this much. Do you think that when you gaze upon the cross, when you read about the cross, when you read about what Christ has done for us on the cross, is your first thought, wow, that, that is just how much he loves me. It was your sin, it was my sin that put him on the cross. And he went to the cross because he loved us that much and throughout the old testament god is constantly declaring or emphasizing his love for his people in the psalms alone we read god's steadfast love to his people in 47 of the 150 psalms another word that could be used is everlasting the everlasting love of god the Hebrew word for this is hesed reflecting god's covenant Love to his people. And in the New Testament, Romans 8 tells us that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So, whatever takes place this year, over 2023 and beyond, the Lord tarries, then nothing can separate us. We know the scriptures, and you can, when you get home, look at Romans 8 and see how Paul unfolds that. It's interesting that in Ephesians 3, Paul doesn't pray that the church would love Jesus more, but they will be rooted and grounded in his love. Though they may have the strength to comprehend the breadth, the length, the height and the depth of Christ's love for them. As we understand that, we pray for that, we, we pray for that for ourselves, I pray for that, that I will come to understand more and more of God's love for me, the depth of his love for me. And our third look at Jesus is found in Matthew 11, verse 29, where Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. This is a unique reference to Jesus. And this is the only place it, where Jesus tells us about his own heart. Nowhere else does Jesus, he says, I'm the way, the truth, but nowhere else does he reveal the very essence of his heart. It's a unique reference to Jesus. Dane Orton says the heart, in biblical terms, is not part of who we are, but the centre of who we are. Our heart is what defines and directs us. It's not just an organ in the Bible. we talk about the heart, well, we've got a heart. While it's still pumping, we can still be alive. But the heart in Scripture reveals, speaks of who we are, a very essence of what directs us. In our lives, what defines our lives? And when we look at Jesus who's the exact representation of God, we see someone who is gentle, a lowly, and not someone who is angry and judgmental about the way we live. When you sin, when you fail, how do you see God's reaction, Jesus' reaction to you? you see it as one who is gentle and lowly? Or do you see it as one who is judgmental and angry because of your sin? The heart of Christ and therefore the heart of God is gentle and lowly, and he delights in extending mercy and grace to us. Which brings me on to grace, our fourth look at Jesus. Jesus, the scriptures tells us, is full of grace and truth. John 1 verse 14. Jesus overflows with grace. His heart and is gentle and lowly and full of grace. Jesus is the very epitome of grace. When we look in the Bible, the whole of the Bible is about grace. And the whole of the Bible is about Jesus. So in the Bible, if the Bible is about Jesus, about sorry, about grace, then Jesus. Epitomised, Jesus is the man of grace. The Christian life from start to finish is all about grace. Jerry Bridges writes, We are brought into God's kingdom by grace. We are sanctified by grace. We receive both temporal and spiritual blessings by grace. We are motivated to obedience by grace. We are called to serve and enabled to serve by grace. We receive strength to endure trials by grace. And finally, we are glorified by grace. The whole of our Christian lives are lived in the context of grace, and Jesus is the very heart of God's grace. Grace is God's free and unmerited favor, shown to guilty sinners who deserve only judgment. Read this morning, his mercies, we read earlier, his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Our sin of yesterday should have caused us to die overnight, but his mercies were new to us this morning. They were new to us this morning. And his mercies are revealed to us in many ways. It is the love of God shown to the unlovely through the person of Jesus Christ. It is God reaching out to a people like us who were in rebellion against him. I want to ask us the question, at the end, of the, the end of the day, at the end of the week, when you're aware of your sin and you're aware of where you failed, are you more aware of your sin and failings than of God's grace? Ten looks of Jesus to one of us. Jesus is full of grace. And grace should be something that we're constantly focusing on. Our sins and our failings should take us to the the cross of Christ and receive afresh God's grace. And wonderfully, Jesus provides for us a saviour. 1 John 4, verse 14 tells us that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. There may be times this year, this coming year, where you don't feel your needs are being met. Where you feel that you have particular needs and they're not being met, and you perhaps you struggle with God over it. But the Bible tells us that in Christ, our deepest need has been met. Jesus is our saviour and he has saved us from the penalty of sin that our sins deserve those sins that we've committed and the sins that we will sadly commit were all paid for on the cross past present and future we need to look to jesus as our saviour again being reminded of preaching the gospel to ourselves daily because of the work on the cross pay for our sins and now we are forgiven the psalmist says blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven this morning do you feel blessed that your sins are forgiven if you don't take a look at Jesus the Savior go to the cross see his love see his grace see him as your Savior Jesus did not come to punish us for our sins but to save us from the punishment we deserved for our sins. But we also know that, as I've just said, we continue to sin. But Paul tells us in Romans 8.34 that Christ is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Tim Chester writes, when you think of Jesus, your first thought should be to think of him before the Father on your behalf. I not done that i hadn't thought about it in that way but my first thought should be to think of him before the father on my behalf <coughs> jesus doesn't begrudgingly intercede on our behalf he is lovingly drawn to intercede because it reflects the same love for us that drew him to the cross that same love that drew him to the cross is the love that draws him to intercede on our behalf intercession is when a third party comes between two others and makes a case to one on behalf of the other and that's what jesus is doing he's ever interceding for us it's by the right hand of the father praying interceding on our behalf but he's also an advocate so that when we sin jesus stands up for us and stands alongside us and defends us not based on anything that we've done, but he defends us based on his sufferings and his death. His advocacy speaks louder than our sins. We don't want to minimise our sins or run from it, but let it drive us to Jesus, our advocate, whose advocacy rises higher than our sins, greater than our sins. We sing, don't we? Our sins are there many. His mercies are more. His advocacy is higher, higher than our than our sins. But Jesus just doesn't sit by the Father interceding on our behalf without understanding and without sympathy. Hebrews 4, verse 15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been attempted as we are, yet without sin. So the seventh, look at Jesus. You've been noting this, you may have done We've got to the high priest. Jesus, our great high priest, sympathises and understands our weaknesses. He understands the temptations that we're faced with. He was tempted in every respect. Never thought about that in every respect? All the ways that we're tempted, the many and various ways that we're tempted, and Jesus was tempted. But he didn't sin. But he understands, and he sympathizes with our weaknesses. That's why he came. He came for the sick, and come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He came for those who recognize their weaknesses. And when we go through the challenges of life, we can place our confidence and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We may not understand what's going on and why, but we can have a confidence of the King of Kings does and as Romans 8 verse 28 says all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He's our sovereign king. We can trust him. We can depend upon him. He does sympathise, he understands and he knows. Something that we do not. And in our challenges over this year. And sadly, maybe in our sufferings, let's look to Jesus for grace and peace and rest in his sovereignty. Come to our ninth, look at Jesus. Jesus, the shepherd. Probably the most well-known psalm, Psalm 23, starts with, The Lord is my shepherd. The New Testament refers to Jesus as the chief shepherd. And as Psalm 100 says, we are the sheep of his pasture. His leadership through the trials of life, through the various things that take place in our lives over the year, is not only as king, being sovereign over all, but also being our shepherd. He's our shepherd king. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep and he will guide the sheep of his pasture into good places for our growth and will protect us as Psalm 121 says, from all harm. He will guide us. We may not understand it. We may not understand exactly what's taking place, but we could depend upon a sovereign king who is also a shepherd king. He's our shepherd. And then finally, <clears throat> in the book of Acts we read of the ascension of Jesus. And while the disciples were gazing, gazing into the sky, two men, probably angels, Told them this Jesus who was taken up to heaven will return in the same way. And in Thessalonians, Paul encourages that Jesus, encourages the the believers there that Jesus will return from heaven with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. Do you know I'd love to be there? I'd love to, I'd love to hear that trumpet. I can't imagine any sound that's going to be more glorious. But I think as we enter into heaven there'll be some trumpets as well. That's what I'm looking forward to. I, lo- I love the sound of brass instruments. There'll be a trumpet with the voice of the archangel. Jesus is also our coming king. One day Jesus will return as our king and he will take us all home to the place he's been preparing for us. And when we see him, we'll be like him. When we see him, all of our ailments and sicknesses will be healed. There will be no more tears and we will enjoy Christ forever. I'm sure as you consider heaven and you considered heaven at various times, probably many things that you would, you look forward to in heaven, but may I suggest that the, the greatest thing that we will experience in heaven is being with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the one who's shown love to us, the one who's shown grace to us, the one who's our advocate, our intercession, our coming King. We will will enjoy him forever. We'll worship him and enjoy him forever. I want to finish with the words of Charles Wesley's hymn, Love Divine. This last verse, Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless may we be. Let us see our whole salvation perfectly secured by thee by jesus change from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place till we cast our crowns before him lost in wonder love and praise until in heaven till we take our place in heaven let's throughout our days ahead keep our eyes upon jesus and for every look that we have of ourselves we take ten looks at Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Looking at these various aspects of Jesus, focusing on his majesty, his love. He's our saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning that it is his grace that has brought us safe thus far and it's grace that will lead us home. Father, we pray that through this year, the course of this year, we will keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. The Lord, we will experience much grace. And when tempted to focus on self, self-pity, self-congratulations, we would look up, look up, and see Jesus, our Saviour, the lover of our souls. Lord, would you give us grace to daily, hourly, turn our eyes upon Jesus so that the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. May 2023, the year where Christ is treasured more in our hearts than 2022. In Jesus' precious name, amen.